31 years ago this month, Tammy Pyle stepped foot on campus along with 21 other student-athletes to prepare for the first women's soccer season in the university's history. Over the next four years, she played a key role in Campbell winning the inaugural Big South Conference Championship in 1993 and reaching the Transamerica Athletic Conference Final in 1995. Along the way, she made lifelong friends and memories, graduated in 1997 with both her undergraduate and MBA degrees in trust management. Tammy's worked in the financial planning business for more than two decades, all the while staying in touch with her alma mater, both academically and athletically. My name is Stan Cole, class of 1987, and this is our next installment of Tales from the Creek, where we visit with people who have made this place special over the years. I'm delighted, delighted today to be joined by Tammy Pyle Yarder. Welcome to Tales from the Creek, Tammy, and thanks for taking the time to visit with us. Thanks, Stan. I'm glad to be here. Tammy, first of all, just kind of tell us how this all gets started. How did you start playing soccer? Playing soccer? So I started at age six. My mom was actually my coach for four years. Um, so I played in, you know, the rec league just mm-hmm. around the community and for, you know, Alamance Elementary and just played school. And then um got on to traveling teams or what they call club teams, I sure. think now. And my very first club team, they didn't have women's club teams. So I played with the all boys team. And so five girls went out and one made the team. So I was on a team at um, 12 years old with other um, 20 other 12 year old boys. (laughs) It's very awkward (laughs) to say the least. How did that stoke the competitive fire in you? You know, the parents were the worst. They were just cruel from the sidelines. But that made you just play harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, I, I think the two or three years that I played with them really made me a better player because the com- competition was just at a higher level. You couldn't get that competition in women's right. um, soccer. So playing with them really. And the coach was a UNCG grad and he was great. And only about three boys on the team really accepted me for an equal player. So it was difficult. But, you know, so what was I it? rolled with it. <laughs> <laughs> So what was it like growing up in the Piedmont region of North Carolina in the 80s? Yeah, I mean, my parents, when we came down, soccer was not a big sport in the South. And Mm -hmm. so my parents actually helped um, create the GYSA, which was the Greensboro Youth Mm -hmm. Soccer Association. There was nothing there um, to to have that next level outside of rec league. So um, my dad had played soccer growing up and my grandfather. So I had a lot of exposure to soccer early on. Um, And then once I got a women's club team that mm-hmm. I got on. Then I played club and travel and um, played ODP for five seasons, which was the Olympic development mm-hmm. program in the summers. So for about five years, I played year round soccer and it just helped increase my level and get exposure. And, you know, Mia Ham's on the regional team. Mm-hmm. So those girls were playing when I played. I mean, my fame is Mia Ham scored against me. <laughs> So that that was an incredible time to actually play with Mia Ham. So we had no idea how much of a big deal it was until you know it was a big deal. So and so, that's and then the, and here I, I came to Campbell. And at that time there was no professional soccer. Mm-mm. It was like you made it to soccer and and wonderful Division One at the very least, and that was it. That was the echelon of what you could do at that time. So it was pretty cool. Sidetrack here. Soccer year round, you shared with me you had um, some other uh, uh, athletic exploits that you <laughs> you did um, circa ages eight to ten. Yeah, so from eight to ten, I was um, uh, racing bikes. I did BMX for three years, and um, not a lot of women doing that either. So um, for girls under twelve, I was number one in the state of North Carolina. My trophy was almost as tall as me. It was really cool. Uh, so, yeah, that was a big deal. Um, it was fun. My family did it. We traveled all over the East Coast and went to different races. And everything started in High Point near us in Greensboro. So it was pretty cool. Well, and it's I, w- I would think, you know, cross-training right there. You're yeah. not getting the impact now. Yeah. There's some other dangers yeah. or falls or spills yeah. that you Our could take. Our parents kept us active to keep us out of trouble. I'm sure that's what it was for. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so then I, I did that and, um, you know, I really, my business and my career, knowing that college would be the end if I went to college Mm -hmm. soccer, I didn't, that's not why I came to Campbell, why it attracted my attention. And honestly, growing up in North Carolina, I'd I'd never heard of Campbell. 
never. And that's a shame because it's a great university right here in the heart of North Carolina. So um, from age 12, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew where I wanted to go. And so I had a uh, aunt that I idolized and she was in banking. So I knew I wanted to be in banking. She drove a Camaro. I wasn't really being to the Camaro, but mm-hmm. um, and that's what I wanted to do. So when I went looking for colleges, I looked for colleges with a degree in banking. Right. And College of Charleston had it. Um, not many places had it. And then I started being recruited by schools and Rick Helms came and recruited me. And so I was asking about the degrees. And um, then I met Jimmy Witherspoon and I drank the Kool-Aid. And from then, <laughs> it's all history. So he was a great influence. And, you know, I always wanted to help people, but I was not a health services person. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to work with families. And so trust management was perfect. Um, our professors always said there's two things that you don't mess with with people. You don't mess with their family and you don't mess with their money. Mm-hmm. And you're going into a business where you're going to be messing with both. Right. And this is serious stuff from the very beginning. And so it, it just it attracted me to it. I loved the relationships and even to this day, the relationships that we have with some clients. I mean, they're like a family. I mean, I think my husband's been a pallbearer at four different funerals for, for families. So you really do get really close to your clients and, and that's, that's special. So how, how many 12 year olds are there out there that know know what they want (laughs) to do? I mean, and and then, and then make it, Come to fruition. Yeah, yeah. Was it was it, it was just that clear to you um, I, early on? Yeah, it kind of was. I mean, that's just the influence that your family has over you. And I mean, she was just she still is a great person. We still, te- you know, she uh, my uncle died uh, when I was six mm-hmm. and they'd only been married for three years. Oh, wow. So it was a really close relationship just for a lot of different reasons. And so, um, yeah, she was a great lady, still is a great lady. And I think family is is just so important in molding you to what you want to be and how much you want to achieve. And and um, so family and friends are always really important to that. So the soccer aspect, the banking trust and, um, and wealth management mm-hmm. aspect. Um, when you came on, when did you when did you know that it was? You know, obviously you had to come to campus and see what it was like. When when was it clear that Campbell was your choice? Um. I think that a lot of the girls I played club against were coming to Campbell. Mm-hmm. And Ashley Gruno actually mm-hmm. called me and said, you've got to go to Campbell. We're all going to Campbell. you got to come. It's a first-year program, and you've got to come. And I said, well, you know, Ashley and I played against each other, and she really wasn't a nice competitor. So I was kind of mm-hmm. like, well, Ashley, I don't, <laughs> to play with you would be much better than playing against you. Um, so I think we had all kind of made up our minds just because of the values and everything you saw at Campbell. And a first-year team is a huge opportunity. You know, we get to make it what we want to make it. And I think that was really important to all the girls that came that, you know, we got recruited by tons of other schools. Mm-hmm. But to, to start a program, we knew how important that was. And I think that's really what shifted all of us. And then you saw us all in the East-West All-Star game. And, you know, it was when we were in the um, – kind of a room and they were talking to us and, and Jack, the coach there, he said, um, who in the room is not going to Campbell? Cause there were seven of us in there, you know, and it was just, it was incredible. It was a, it was a great group of girls. We all played against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd all, you know, eventually got here and kind of just molded and there were 10, 11 of us. And that was the core of, of what, and we had some junior college players that came mm-hmm. Bonnie Shaburn and, and they were great mentors to us because, you know, we're little freshmen and they've been in college for two years and they were only four of them, but they were a huge influence to all of us. So it, it was a makeup that probably was like a misfit toys. They just kind of all came together and made a perfect model of what hopefully that they're still following today. So, so for the record, 30 players played in that first um East-West All-Star Game of the best high school players in North Carolina. That was in 1992. Mm-hmm. Seven of them, that by my layman's math mm-hmm. abilities, seven, that's nearly 25% of the players who stepped on the field that night at UNCG end up at Bowie's Creek and not ending up at Bowie's Creek, but graduating 
mm-hmm. Bowie's Creek. Yeah. And six of those seven were the inaugural class. Of course, Casey joins after a couple years um, uh, from uh, Casey Monroe joined after a couple years at UNC. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, too, that you, you and Casey played OD, ODP mm-hmm. together. Tell, tell me about that, that, <laughs> um, that relationship that y'all, y'all um, started you know, again in your early teens. So Casey's mom was kind of like the coach mom mm-hmm. and um, ODP was getting pretty much started as well. And uh, we played at High Point and our coach was Woody Gibson, Mm -hmm. who was athletic director, but women's soccer coach at the time. And um, he coached our ODP team. And, um, you know, Casey and her mom and my mom was always there. It was just a really close connection. Um, And, you know, when she decided to come to Campbell, I was thrilled because, she was a stellar player. She had every right to be at Chapel Hill as any of those other players. She was good. And um, it was just a great friendship. And, you know, a couple other girls came out and played ODP with us as well. And, I mean, you're going to regional camps and um, Southwest region and Southeast region and playing California teams. And it was just – it was an incredible experience. And, um, you know, I think it's hard to um, talk about – the friendships that get formed so early mm-hmm. and the ones that last for so long. Um, there's just a special chemistry to soccer players in general, I think. Tammy, do you think the fact that y'all were the pioneering team mm-hmm. um, and uh, at, at Campbell and, you know, women's soccer was growing exponentially and I feel um, looking back from where I've viewed it from that Campbell kind of got maybe a step or two, maybe a year or two ahead of a couple of other schools um, by forming the women's team in the early 90s. Do you think the fact that y'all were pioneers, that y'all were the first team here is is a reason that y'all stayed connected for so long? Yeah, because, I mean, I, there's certain things that no other team will share. I mean, we were the first hat trick in women's history. Mm-hmm. We were the first goal scored. We were the first team that won we were for the first championship that won i mean all of those first i mean it's just like when you get married and you have those first experiences mm-hmm. with your husband they're so solid and the memories are so good that you don't have those first with anybody else and no other team can have those first you know that we did um i remember when kathy McManamy scored her third goal in the game and it was the first hack trick and you would have thought we won the lottery i mean it was so exciting to have that first and she was the one who did that so um you know, there's a lot of of different things. And I think it was not lost on us that it was an inaugural season. I think it was very important for us to to make sure that what we did was long lasting because, you know, Title IX had gone through and, you know, they had to have women's teams to have women's teams mm-hmm. because they had to have a certain number. And we didn't want to be that. And I had a lot of people that doubted that we'd even be around for a second season. So, you know, we had challenges, but we wanted to make sure that they knew that we were competitors and student athletes as well and that we were here to stay. So it's not to prove. It's evident all the changes that have gone on in Campbell Mm -hmm. um, since I started here in the fall of uh, 1983 as a freshman. You came in in the fall of 92 and we look around and we see the facilities and how Bowie's Creek Mm -hmm. and the region's grown. What was it like? What tell us about the day in the life of going to training or getting ready for a game um, without those great facilities? (laughs) Yeah. So we um, hated the locker rooms at Carter Gym. So we got ready on the floor of the Carter Gymnasium. Mm -hmm. Everyone was putting there, putting our gear on because we didn't have a training house. Mm -hmm. So you had to get ready for the game and walk to the game. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, mile, what, half mile walk, one mile walk to the the field. And then anything else you had to do, you had to do on the sideline. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't put on your cleats, you had to do it there. But um, most of us had everything ready. And so you got ready on Carter Gymnasium. We went into a classroom off the gym floor Mm -hmm. and – um, kind of talked about the game and what Campbell always did. I don't even know if they still do it today, but we said the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. before every single game. And that, you know, when you have people from New York and Catholics and Baptists and Methodists, everybody kind of says the Lord's Prayer, just a teeny bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that first one was very interesting. Um, but so we always did that. And then we walked to the game. And um, it was funny to hear. I remember hearing the cleats on the pavement walk into the game mm-hmm. and just the connection that everybody had and you were getting your game face on 
It was an intense walk <laughs> to the game and you're getting your game face on and all the cleats are on the pavement. And I remember that sensory very well. Um, and, you know, this is going way back, but the movie Wayne's World, mm -hmm. when they were playing in street hockey. Right. And it was like game on, game off. Right. Well, you had to watch the traffic as you're walking to the field. So we did the same thing. And it was um, it was just really neat. We had some great captains that year and, um, you know, the team picked them and they were great. So it was good memories. It was a long walk sometimes, <laughs> depending on who you're playing. Absolutely. <laughs> Tammy, what are, you know, what are some of the things that you think of when you think of your time here at Campbell? You know, you, we can think about pra practice or training, but what are some of the other memories that you have either being on in, in the classroom or in the dorms or just hanging out? What are, what are some of the, the, the stories you can share uh, that that uh, there's other people out there say, oh, I was there. I remember that for sure. Yeah. Right? That was what was having a girls and men's campus. That was kind of just weird to me. <laughs> just, you know, I grew up with boys, played with boys. I didn't see the big deal. Um, but, you know, they had, um, if you wanted a man to come visit you, you had to stay in the lobby. You had to have a chaperone. It was, it was different. And so, you know, the big thing was always, you know, people sneaking onto men's campus. And that was a big deal. And you could get kicked out of school and Oh, keeping all of that separate, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I think one time they had a moat between men's and women's campus. <laughs> I mean, you know, you hear all the stories, but um, so that was probably the strangest thing. I was actually in Strickland dorm. We didn't have all these nicey, nicey dorms when mm -hmm. I was around. So um, and then, um, you know, a lot of us moved off campus, but that never kept anything different. You shower at people's dorm rooms and go to people's houses. And it just um, even though all of us moved off campus, it was still pretty close knit of what we did. So. Um, you know, there was no facilities to shower after the game or get changed after the game or anything like that. So you just kind of went to where you went. So, um, but no, I, th I think um, being in the trust management program was just a great experience learning things that only one college in the whole United States has that degree. Mm -hmm. And that's not lost on people even in the business now. I mean, they, they realize that that's a unique degree to have. Um, and all those classes were great. And I remember telling my dad, you know, being on scholarship in soccer, I remember telling my dad, the fifth year is not free. Mm -hmm. It's not subsidized. Right. You have to pay the full tuition in the fifth year. And I remember my dad being like, I understand. I get it. I was just, just telling you that it's full price in the fifth year. And I wouldn't have done any different. I know they called it for one program now, but for me, getting it all at one time, um, it's it's not lost that that was. And, you know, I had two seasons where I had 18 hours and 16 hours of classes. It was tough. We took tests on the road. Mm -hmm. We did homework on the road. We did a lot of stuff to make it work for all the all the teammates because it was tough. How do you balance athletics, academics, and then you got to find time to do laundry, go eat and have some sort of semblance of a life of an 18 to 22 year old. How did you do it? Well, when I was in season going mock five with my hair on fire and I would that fit last year, I'd have class until three practice from three 30 to five 30 and my graduate class was from six to nine. So I either ate or showered. I didn't have time to do both. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my professors were like, eat in the back of the classroom. We don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, Don't shower before you go to class. <laughs> um, so that was, uh, that was that last season of soccer. But honestly, my time management, my grades, studying, all that was much better during season than it was off season. Because you had to manage your time. You had to fit it all in. And you get kind of lax when you're not on such a strict time schedule. Um, but it, it was that last year was tough graduate classes till nine. It was, it was, it was intense. I had roommates who played on the tennis team and I had a very short lived, um, tryout for the tennis team my, <laughs> my sophomore year, but that was, it was my only foray into college athletics where I was just, a, you know, I've been an observer for a number of years. But one appreciation that gave me is I never understood my freshman year why my roommate was always so tired. And after the month or so of that tryout, I got it. And I don't think that the average person who hasn't gone through that knows that. And he didn't. He was like some nights he came home and just wanted to shower, eat and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. 
And he didn't have that. And I don't think that the average person out there really can grasp that if you're going and you're carrying a 15 to 18 hour load mm-hmm. and then you're practicing all afternoon and evening. I mean, is that is that something you had to battle and prop your eyelids open to study after class? And yeah, stuff too? And it was a, a pretty big deal, too, because the curriculum for trust is off the charts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you accepted it when you came in. You knew it was going to be tough. I mean, I went to summer school three summers to get basic classes and I took English at UNCG and communications at peace, you know, just to get all my classes in. So I didn't have to have 18 hour semesters when I was playing soccer. Um, so you got to make the commitment to, especially the curriculum we had. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about other curriculums. I had one elective. I took water aerobics just so I could have something that was easy. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I think that was a, a big deal. Um, just, managing the class load um and making sure that that you know you were succeeding class as well as succeeding on the field because that was a big deal i think there were like um four four of us that carried the gpa for the whole team (laughs) so and i can name them but i'm not going to embarrass them absolutely um but yeah it was it was hard times and we had one in pharmacy school and two in pre-med and it was a big deal who are some? You mentioned Jimmy Witherspoon mm-hmm. earlier. Um, who are some of the folks that that um, had a big big impact on you while you were here? Um, Doctor Mastashari is mm-hmm. still here, right? Mm-hmm. He was good. He always made us laugh. Sometimes his classes were crazy. Um, you know, Dean Fowler was always he was big into athletics and mm-hmm. always supported any of the teams. You know, he was like the professors will excuse your absences. And I was like, well, you need to talk to them about that because they're not excusing your absences. Um, so Dean Fowler was a big deal. Um, a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of the professors that aren't here anymore, uh, Mr. Gupton, mm-hmm. I mean, he really did the job for 30 years and then came and taught us how to do it. And, you know, he's no longer with us, but he was a few huge influence. Um, you know, he, he our last class where you had to do a, a state tax return, he walked in, handed us the case and walked out and said, I'll see you in two months. And we were all like, what do we do? How do we fill out an estate tax return? Um, so, we, you know, we did it. You know, we had to do it. It's part of the curriculum. So they, they've challenged us, definitely. But, um, you know, they all had so much experience. You know, Jimmy Witherspoon was a lawyer and came here pretty much fresh out of law school and mm-hmm. has built the curriculum and built the department. And it means a lot to still have that going on and, and kids. So we um, met a couple girls on the soccer team today that are trust majors. So it's nice to see that it's still going on and athletes are doing it. And, yeah. Good. That circle there. Yeah. Um, athletically, Rick Helms recruited you. Jeff Pittman was Rick's assistant coach, later head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, some other members of the staff. What, what are some of those other folks that that uh, you know have you know left an impact on your life there too? Um, you know, Marco that mm-hmm. recently passed away. He he was always fun. I think he just helped the women's team out because he was bored. Um, <laughs> I think that. You know, Jeff Pittman was a huge influence and and he really was the one who kind of get in your face and say, you know, concentrate, Mm -hmm. you know, focus. You've got to have a focus when you go on the field. You just can't walk out there. You know, you have a bad day. You have a bad class. You have bad grade. I don't care. You've got to focus when you get on the field. So Jeff really honed it in to mentally prepare for the team as much as you had to physically prepare to be on the team. Um, He was really good for that. Um, I mean, just a lot of different you know, all the assistant coaches we had over the years, they were always very encouraging. Um, what was the name? Was it Julie? I don't Julie remember. Brzezinski yeah, Brzezinski. Our... Right. Oh, my gosh. The first time we traveled and we had to do hotel rooms and four girls shared a room. We weren't really mm-hmm. guys. We didn't get two people to a room. Don't know why that was unequal. But and um, everybody's like, oh, complaining. And we were on the bus and we were just such wine babies. I remember and Julie. Julie, quiet Julie, <laughs> got him over on the bus and said, I don't care if you're unhappy. I don't care if you don't like the way that I've done it, but I've done it and you're going to do it. And I don't want to hear another word. And we we're all just like scared because she spoke up and yelled at us. So we all went to our rooms and <laughs> just didn't say another word. And um, But she was great. She was a great source to go to when you were frustrated with whatever you were frustrated with. She was great. FYI yeah. on Julie Brzezinski. Um, Julie started off. 
as and this is how far we've come <laughs> at Campbell to the unbelievably incredibly supported 21 sport athletic program we have. When Julie Brzezinski started in 1989, same time I did, she was a graduate assistant slash head softball coach <laughs> as she as they as she after she graduated from uh, the from grad school and continued on as head softball coach the first year of women's soccer in order to build the infrastructure and build the budget the right way. They said, oh, we've got to have Julie do something else besides be the head softball coach. Oh, she played soccer in high school. She can be. And we need a female on the, the <laughs> staff female, that included right? all males mm-hmm. with Jeff and, and Barry Howard mm-hmm. and, and Rick. We need a female to travel with the team too. Hey, Julie, in, st- in, in addition to doing everything you're doing with building this <laughs> softball program that became really, really good. She went and was involved in, in in the pioneering aspect of our women's soccer team. And I don't think a lot of people remember that. Yeah, she was busy. And it was kind of like, you got to be with us to handle the girl things. I was like, what, what are we? I'm two year old, so you don't need to handle the women things. But, you know, it was just, they just really kind of, it was out of their grasp to really understand what women's sports needed and had. And, and they didn't funny. understand you'd no. been competing against guys since you were mm-hmm. single digits age. <laughs> all this. So, so first year, five wins, um, set a lot of uh, uh, program firsts. And then the next year against teams like Radford, UNCG, that had been uh, that had been. Uh, it's well established. Mm-hmm. You know, UNCG was moving up. They were a D3 and D2 national power. They joined uh, Division One. Radford had been to the tournament as an at-large um, uh, earlier uh, and in their experience program. All of a sudden, your 36th game in program history, you're lifting a trophy. Mm-hmm. How does that happen, Tammy? <laughs> yeah, I think we ask ourselves that all the time. Um, you know, I think we had a drive to prove ourselves even more the second year than the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, the first year, they kind of gave you a pass. You know, they were mm-hmm. just kind of oh, a first-year team. You know, they didn't really have a, you know, a good crew. We got some great recruits in, and the second year was as much about proving ourselves as the first year was. And you kind of knew the competition then, and um, you knew the other teams, and you just wanted to prove that we're here to stay. So it was a big year to prove ourselves after the first year of getting a pass because they just thought, well, it's first-year program. Um, so – and I think I've shared this story with you. So you go through the whole season, had some horrible losses and some great wins, and we're in the semifinals of the Big South Tournament up at UMBC. And um, UMBC had just beaten oh, – it's not Gardner. They Winthrop, beat Radford. Radford. And so they were standing on the sidelines at our semifinal game, and they were cheering for us, but not because they wanted – us to win because they're just good-hearted people. They wanted us to win because they knew that they could beat us in the final. They didn't want to play UNCG in the final because UNCG was a good team. Mm -hmm. And so they were cheering for us because they thought for sure we would be easier competition. So it was really happy when (laughs) we beat them in the finals because, you know, you learn those snippets because the coaches were talking and that's kind of how they learned about that snippet. But, you know, I remember it was 1-0 – Buffy had scored the winning goal, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And at 45 seconds, Kathy McManamy at the middle of the of the game, yelling and screaming and celebrating. And we're all just like, 45 seconds, Kathy, don't celebrate. We got 45 seconds. Anything can happen. Um, but that's always been a joke because she was just, I wish I'd love to see the video of that game because I bet it was hilarious. But, um, but yeah, so that was – and I don't think – you know, we came back for the alumni reunion last year at 30 years, and none of us had seen the trophy because it didn't come until after we graduated, if you can imagine that. And so none of us had really held the trophy. Like, we didn't have the celebration where you held the trophy mm-hmm. and kissed it and did everything that people do to it. And um, so a lot of us went to the locker room and kind of hoisted the trophy up and took a big picture of all of us that were here that were on that team. So um, I don't think – it. I, it does resonate now because you've had so many accomplishments in your life, but that's one of the top ones. And I think it really resonates with all of us how cool that was to be so early and be winners. And let's not forget, this is a you know day and age. We've learned so much 
about, especially about sports performance and um, rest and recovery mm -hmm. and all this. Let me just remind everyone, because <laughs> no one remembers this, including <laughs> myself. Um, on October 28th, you go play 120 minutes against Charleston Southern advance and penalty kicks. Mm -hmm. Okay. On, on the Thursday night. Okay. And for the record, McManamy scores to cut it to three to two in the 80th minute. And then with 17 seconds left, Buffy Tadonio scores the equalizer. Yeah. They're 17 seconds away from not getting to the semifinal mm -hmm. three, three Campbell advances on PK six fives. The next <laughs> night, 90 more minutes. Tadonio scores in the 47th minute uh, to beat UNCG, which was heavily favored. And then three games in three days, one of them overtime, two overtimes. Mm -hmm. so you played the entire overtime and they were 15 minute periods. You played two hours, then you played 90 minutes. Yeah. You come back the next day and you beat UMBC, score twice in the first five minutes of the second half. Uh, Liz Gott and Tony Veracci, mm -hmm. uh, who went on the quarter kick, I think, if I remember right. And uh, you're right. And, and it was a, yeah, from a set piece. And yeah. uh, and three games in three days, you win the trophy. Yeah. And now everybody's, you can't do that anymore. But I guess it was the same for y'all and UMBC, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, they were playing hard games, too. Um, but, yeah, it was – I didn't even realize it was that intense. <laughs> like, you're all there and you're all just in the moment, I guess. But, I mean, I can remember <laughs> – you know, Buffy has a great memory for this. Tony Veracci does. Their memories of every single game, they have it. I can't grasp that. Mm -hmm. I can remember like three games. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was playing, um, we were in Mercer, Georgia, because mm -hmm. Mercer was in the Big South. Mm -hmm. And this is the my most memorable game and my best performance was in Mercer, Georgia, away game. And um, I had two assists to Jen Stephenson. Mm -hmm. And um, that was just a game where I could do no wrong. Every, you know, pass was perfect. Every, you know, pass for an assist was perfect. And I was in the defense. You don't assist goals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's just not something you do. Um, yeah. So, and I played the whole game. And um, I was, at that time, I was competing for that position with a freshman. And um, coach was going to put her in at halftime. Mm -hmm. And I was in the game of my life. And I was, you know, and she actually stepped up and said, I'm not going in. Mm -hmm. Tammy's having a great game and I'm not going to sub in for her. And that, you know, that was huge because I was old. She was a freshman. <laughs> so, um, so that was a, a big deal. And that was my most memorable game just because it was my best performance that yes. I can remember. Um, but, it, you know, that moments like that don't happen often. Right. And all three of those games were moments. Every, three, every single one of them. Yeah. You go from the Big South, and then a year later, Campbell joins the Transamerica, mm -hmm. now the ASUN. And so it's a brand new set of opponents. You have no mm -hmm. familiarity. 500 season in 94, uh, when Jen Stephenson was a mm -hmm. freshman. And then one year later, and when Casey Monroe joined y'all, yeah. yeah. the next year, 15-3-3, Tammy, 8-0-2 yeah. yeah. in the conference. Yeah. And you go against UCF. We, you know, we, we, we talk about uh, programs that were built by star players. Michelle Akers-Stahl was <laughs> the first U.S. women's soccer superstar. She had UCF in the final, uh, you know, and, they, yeah. and this was a little bit after that. But still, this was an unbelievable program. And y'all gave them everything and, and ended up with a 1-0 loss in the final here in Bowie's Creek. Mm -hmm. uh, and that night, what you go from five wins and then three years later, you're, you're sitting there at 15 Three and three. Yeah. I mean, is, does it, did it, did it just seem like it was going to happen that way? It's no, just... no. I mean, we were lucky to have a 500 season in the first, you mm -hmm. know, because it was travel. Travel was hard. Mm -hmm. um, travel was not, you know, I remember sending girls through the Atlanta airport running to the next gate because we couldn't, you know, our flights weren't matching up. I mean, there was tough travel. So we traveled to Florida. We traveled up to Hofstra. So the games that it was a much difficult travel schedule. Mm -hmm. So I remember a lot about that. But, um, you know, I remember that la my very last game mm -hmm. and 
as a senior and as knowing that that would be my last game ever. Right. It was very emotional and it just sucked that we lost, but it was still just, it was, it was kind of a culmination. You're taking pictures on the sideline with mm-hmm. girls you played with and, you know, the game's over and you lost. I, I, mean, I remember walking out to the middle of the field and I didn't want anybody around me. <laughs> wanted to take off my cleats and take off my shin guards. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody around me because I was just get ready to lose it. And um, Jeff Pittman walked up to me and he says, it's okay. And I just, I, you know, it was just so emotional. It was a hard, hard game. So it was, it was, it was, I still remember it very well. Yeah. Through the years, you and many of your teammates have returned to campus um, regularly for mm-hmm. uh, athletics alumni and other events. What draws y'all back here? Um, obviously, you know, the memories, but I think that, you know, my husband went to Campbell mm-hmm. and we are both so passionate about making sure the campus survives and gets what the kids need and doing our part. Um, and I think that's, what draws the people back, not just to see the improvements of campus. I mean, there are brick pillars that I think are great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't here when I was here. It just It's really making the university truly look like a university mm-hmm. and have all the amenities that, you know, we didn't have when we were here. So one, to see the progress. I mean, that student union is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had the little oasis beside Carter Gym, and that was <laughs> where we um, hung out. So I, I think that, um, you know, I think I, I don't think the students has not lost on them how wonderful the facilities are. I don't I don't think that it's lost on them. But um to come back and and see the improvements and you know, for my husband and I are so passionate about wanting to be a part of it, mm-hmm. you know, be a part of the improvements and be a part of Campbell. Um I think it's you know, we don't have any children and so to come back to campus and see kids and meet with the team and, and, and do all that stuff. It's, it's a mission for us to make sure that our alma mater gets what they need to go forward and, and continue to be successful. You know, I can't speak for the rest of the players, but it's like a day hasn't missed since, you know, that last day of school together. It's just, you get back together and the stories are told all over again and nobody gets tired of hearing them. And the personalities are the same. You still pick on the people that you've always picked on. Like Tina Zaya, we always picked on her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't stop. It still goes on today. <laughs> and, um, you know, Christine um, doesn't come down as much. Her nickname was Canada. She mm-hmm. was from Niagara Falls. Right. And, I, you know, we haven't seen her in a while, but um, I pick up the phone every now and then and try to get in touch with her. And, like, when Bonnie, it was in newsletter they did for the soccer team when Bonnie got superintendent of um, Oneana community county and i was like that is huge and i called her on the telephone and she's like what do you call me for i said are you serious i come from a line of educators that is a big deal (laughs) (laughs) i know how big a superintendent position is and um so you try to stay as involved as you can but we all know it's hard to keep in touch Um, but i think that's the biggest thing why everybody comes back because they want to know about each other and stay involved as much as we can and um you know, Kim Hill and I talk quite a bit, and she lives down at the coast with Jeff and Lynn. And, mm-hmm. you know, everybody knows all the kids' names. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't find it unusual, but maybe it is. Maybe people walk away and don't ever stay in touch. But for us, it's kind of essential. Talking with a number of other alumni um, over the years and uh, friends and, and folks, a lot of people seem to think the fact that we are in Bowie's Creek, not as much as we once were, but at, at the time that you and I were in school here and David was in school and, and all this, it's like we were isolated. You know, maybe not everybody had a car and then it was an effort to go to Raleigh or, or go on a road trip somewhere. Maybe the fact that we were here in this small place drew us together and has helped us create lasting shared memories. Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, I talked to some of the girls on the soccer team today and kind of met with them and answered fun questions. And um, they said that I said, well, do you guys hang out with the softball team and the volleyball team? Like, do you guys? get together and chill out with each other. I mean, Mm -hmm. what do you do? And they're like, yeah, sometimes. Well, for us, you had to have that camaraderie. You had only but so many women's sports and you had to stay united. I mean, that was your crowd of the game. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, was the soccer team and the volleyball team going to the softball game? I mean, that was your crowd in the stands because not a lot of people came to Booth Creek even for, for sporting events. Um, you know, we had a crowd of, oh, I don't know, 15 people. And then if students came, 30. And that's not a lot of people in the stands for a game. So, you know, you had to have the support of other teams. And I, I think that made a big deal. But, yeah, I mean, entertainment in the creek, not a lot to do. And we taught all the northern girls how to cow tip. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just uh, so funny stories around that. Um, you know, you just tried to stay united and stay out of trouble. Because even though there's not much to do here, you can still get in trouble very easily. It'll find uh, you if you, yes, got, if you go if looking it for find it. You. That's right. So I, I think the camaraderie of all the teams um, together and able to hang out and, you know, do all that was was neat. was really neat. Shifting gears a little bit here. Um, you've touched a little bit on the trust program, but what is it about Campbell's trust program that sends so many qualified people into that market. What is it about this program that is so great? I think it's definitely, I mean, the new business school, I never learned in that place. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I think the class structure, I think what they teach you, they're giving you the best foundation for walking into a trust department that nobody else has. I mean, we read documents in class and and even though you may feel like you're coming out with just like a definition of knowledge, I know what this is, I know what this mm-hmm. is. Um, I think they're really preparing you more than you think you are for going into a trust department. And, you know, we all have that first job where you're just like, oh, my gosh, I could mess up this statement and mess up this document and I've got to read it closely. And um, but I think the, the preparedness and the experience of the professors being in the business like Thomas Guthman had been in the mm-hmm. business for 35 years and then came to teach. There's not a lot of other professors I know that have that experience. And it's experience in a unique profession. So you need that background. Um, it's it's an intense job. And the family structures that you deal with and um, all of the very specifics of estate planning and all of that sorts of stuff. It's just not trust fund babies. And there's a lot of people who come and sell businesses and have to do their estate planning or you know, business owners that are getting ready to exit their company. It's a lot more diverse and a lot more specific now than even when I graduated. Um, You know, it just, I think it's just the experience of the professors was what really impacted me. I know that everyone's situation is different uh, walking down the street and anybody you come up through, but not to give away any trade secrets, but what's the best financial advice you can give to uh, anyone? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, Diversify. Don't run when the economy dips. Um, do your estate planning because so many people are walking around without wills mm-hmm. and anything can happen at any moment. Um, I had a business owner. They were 34. He sold his business for $25 million. And I went to go talk to them about estate planning and 30-year-olds don't want to hear about estate planning. Right. And unfortunately for him, a friend of his and his wife died in a plane crash six weeks later. Wow. And he called me the next morning. He's like, we need to do our estate planning. I was like, yes, you do. So definitely have your affairs in order, if not for yourself, for your family. Wow. That that really impacts me when you have someone that passes away and you have to settle their estate and they just really didn't prepare their family or prepare themselves. And it, it's um, whether they're wealthy or not. Right. You need to do it for yourself as well as do it for other people. That's I know it's not a secret, you know, economic, make you millions of money, but mm-hmm. it'll definitely take care of your family, take care of each other. To me, that's the biggest thing that I do for people. Wow. So over the last three decades, we've all witnessed the growth of women's soccer, not just in the US, where it was like the USA was mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. but it's grown throughout the world now. The mm-hmm. English uh, Premier League for the women's is phenomenal. How's the game changed? How's it the same? You know, from you, from the inside, from from playing it and knowing mm-hmm. it and playing it the highest level at the time that was available in the country. Um, um, how how has it changed? Um, you know, we were just talking to Jeff Gross today about the level of the women's playing. And, it, you know, it's as entertaining to watch a women's soccer game as it is a men's soccer game. And for a long time, that just wasn't there. Um, the the athletes are really superior athletes at any level now. I mean, they have much better training. 
um, much better competition. I think the sport is elevated so much that they really come in at a, at a just a high level. And to know that they have another level they can go mm-hmm. even inspires them more to know that this is not it. That I, if I really want to work hard and train and aspire to be at another level, I can get there. Um, you know, I don't. You know, I hated off-season training, so <laughs> I did not aspire for much when I was 90 degrees and I was trying to do um, conditioning for the next coming season. I hated it. Um, but the the women are much more intense, much bigger intense intensity that they play with. And, and you know, I know people that enjoy watching women's soccer as much as they watch men's soccer. So I think that's a, it's a level and intensity that I think the women have. And knowing that they have other levels they can go. I mean – Playing for the U.S. team was, I mean, it was an aspiration. I went to the ODP program, and the women that you were playing against in regional camps were just amazing. So it was hard. So, But I'm glad that the women had the opportunity to go one step, two steps even higher than they did here when I was playing. And I definitely I think the intensity and the level of play is much higher than it was when I was playing. We didn't think so, but of course it is. <laughs> You've shared how much you and David care about Campbell um, and um, and stay involved there. I'm interested for you to share about how with us, how y'all met. And then um, is there is there a differing uh, uh, story about who proposed to who or what? The, is there two different sides? I know yeah, there's different sides to each story, but, but you've got the microphone. So I think you're in, in charge here right now. So um, Dave and I met when it was Nations Bank, which mm-hmm. is now Bank of America. Right. And um, I kind of went for him for advice because I knew he went to Campbell you know, you have that first year and a half where you're doing your job and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I chose the right career. I'm going to have to go back to school and make a different major. And he was really a sounding board for me to, you know, help me with my writing skills and help me with client meetings and, and just really kind of be like, you're good. You know, he's he's 10 years older than I am. So, um, so we just started talking and the common theme was always Campbell University mm-hmm. and had common interests and values. And and you understand that about people at Campbell. You're all kind of made from the same cloth and that's good. Um, so um, we were getting ready to go to his family reunion in New York because he's mm-hmm. originally from New York. And we were in the Raleigh-Durham airport and I asked him to marry me and he said yes. And our plane was delayed two and a half hours. So I had the whole plan. I had made sure they had stuff on the plane. I was going to propose and do the whole big thing. And I had to ask them at gate C1, you know, if he wanted to marry me. And um, and so, you know, being um, my dad was like, yeah, you don't do that. You know, are you sure he's committed to you? You know, so in October at homecoming, David asked me and to marry him and gave me a ring and we were sitting on which is no longer there but the academic circle they had two brick pillars and we sat up on that right near outside of you know all the picture taking you know communications and and um sat there and he proposed to me as well so and then nine months later 23 later 23 years later so it's been um it's been fun every second but no it, not many people ask their husband to marry him so I knew if, if we'd still be dating if I hadn't asked him. <laughs> tell me, tell me, uh, aside from work and the other things you're involved with, what, how do you like to spend your time now when you've got when you've got time to, to yeah, enjoy? We we enjoy going to the beach. We like Beaufort, North Carolina. It's mm-hmm. very peaceful down there. Um, I like to read, and honestly, you know, for so many years we worked so much. Um, we both like to travel, but that's far and few between. Um, mm-hmm. It's very hard to do that. And after COVID, you know, I don't know that we've really been anywhere, you know, but we moved back to Raleigh. We were both in Virginia for over 30 years. And every single year you're wanting to get back to North Carolina. So finally to be back in Raleigh is just wonderful, closer to family and all that stuff. So a lot of family time, a lot of friends, you know, time with friends. Um, I love to horseback ride, but I haven't done that in a while. So horses are kind of my my spirit animal. So they're um, very passionate about horses. So, um, but yeah, we try to relax as much as we can and enjoy peach milkshakes from Chick-fil-A while they're out. There you, go. <laughs> you know, all simple things. We're not complicated people. We like the simple stuff in life to, um, 
enjoy and we you know very much enjoy spending time with each other it makes it very important absolutely so. you've been um recently asked to join the uh, athletic directors board of advisors mm -hmm. um tell us a little bit about that and what y'all will be doing in that in that um in that uh in that group tammy yeah i you know really just read the covenants and it's new to me it's new to everybody but you know hannah sizemore is doing just an excellent job um i'm i'm, I'm very honored to be an advisor to her on that board. Um, there's a guy from First Citizens that I work with that's going to be on the board. He played baseball here. Um, so I think um, it's going to be interesting. I don't I don't think anybody really has made a game plan for it um, to exactly what we're going to be doing. But hopefully, you know, just elevating sports here at Campbell and making sure all the teams have what they need. And if they don't have it, then, you know, uh, you know, it, it was a big deal um, when you were in business to make sure everybody knows about wealth, knows about your department. And I think the same thing's true here at Campbell. We want everybody to know what Campbell University is, where it is, what it does, what it's about, and bring students here as well as athletes. So, What Ms. Baysmore has done in just the, she's been at Campbell since graduation and working worked her way up and mm -hmm. and she's the smartest one in the room she's passionate about her place her parents went to school here her dad worked here and everything you feel that from her what's it like being a female student athlete and you look and in the the ad's chair is a is a female um, what's that like for a young, you know, what, what can, what would it be like for a young person to be able to see that and aspire to that now? Diversity is a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, we met her personally at a, at a basketball game. We were down here, um, mm -hmm. seeing a game and, um, she's so excited and it, that's just, that's inspiring to me. Um, I love to see somebody as an AD be very excited about all the sports. And it's a huge responsibility, I know, but she seems really passionate about everything. And that's that's what you want is somebody that's passionate about the job. So, I, you know, I see women doing different things every year that you would never guess. I mean, I, the sky's the limit. Um, I don't think there's anything out there that women can't do now. I mean, even if it's a boys club, you know, athletic director, that is usually pretty much a boys club. But there's a lot of different shakes and bakes in that department now. So I, I love it. I love to see it. And I hope that that somebody will come behind her in her shoes and, and do the same thing. So, so finally, Tammy, can you put into words how Campbell University and the Bowie's Creek community has impacted your life? Um, in every side of it, you know, when you get out and you're going through interviews, <clears throat> you know, I think it's encouraging to see the passion of people through their job and their university. And, you know, it taught me a lot about, you know, my faith in Christianity and, you know, uh, the values that you have that you learn in college, you carry on for years to come. And I hope, you know, everybody has that experience here at Campbell, but um, definitely the team, the camaraderie that I had in athletics, and then the values that Campbell instills you just, you know, from, you know, it's creed on. It's it's very important. And that's that's definitely helped me out in life and taught me to, you know, value what they taught me. I, I can never, um, you know, replace what they've taught me. And I can never, you know, put a value on it. It's priceless what you learn at Campbell and Little Bowie's Creek. But, you know, I think a lot of people know about Campbell now, and I hope that you know, I was a part of that, so. I'm Stan Cole, and our guest today on Tales from the Creek has been Tammy Pyle Yarder. Thank you, Tammy, for sharing your Tales from the Creek. Thanks, Stan.